begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, back from a hiatus. I'm with somebody that you're not used to seeing a whole lot, and this is Matthew from Ion Cannon. We're talking all about the High Republic Phase 2 Quest of the Jedi on today's show. I had to go look for an expert because I wasn't about to talk about this for two hours because you guys <laughs> would probably get bored and maybe fall asleep with my my voice over time but yes i'm happy to be back i'm happy to have you um if anybody has been paying attention me and matthew have been doing the tractor beam over on the star wars underworld network over the last ooh, almost probably two months at this point it's been flying by we've been having a blast yeah every every thursday at 12 15 p.m eastern time we've been chatting the latest with the comics it's been kind of a nice companion piece to my usual reviews and we have a longer form discussion so yeah i'm gonna just throw it over you uh we had a lot of fun adventures in new york i see you arrived back in toronto safely um probably begrudgingly because it looks like you're having a great time over there yeah a little bit it was uh people were asking you know are, are, are you so you're back uh i'd say unfortunately <laughs> a little bit uh also to say oh my goodness high republic expert uh, you, you know you've made it when uh your favorite you're considered an expert in your favorite thing in star wars so here i am uh talking about high republic wearing a mortis shirt this isn't my usual setup this is not the underworld north studio in toronto this is uh the suburbs just a makeshift little setup here uh but you know we're talking about historic houses it kind of could be like dalna that could be dalna why not let's just pretend <laughs> there we go yeah, <laughs> yeah and then yeah the tractor beam it's been, been fun being fun to, to to chat comics just have the time and space to dive into what it's like for droids to use the force and d delve on on you know personhood and agency in uh, in droids and in cyborgs and, and you know, everything. Good timing because of dark droids hitting the shelves, uh, the, the great crossover. So have, yeah, have the time to, to chat and, and think about those things with, with you every Thursday's lunchtime or breakfasting, as the case may be. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it because you asked me a while ago and I was like, oh, let's figure out a day. It's like, oh, these nights aren't working. Why don't we just do a podcast at like 12 p.m. In the, in the afternoon? Let's switch it out. It doesn't have to always be at night prime time. And there's people out there that have flexible schedules. They can tune in live or even after the fact. I know you upload those to a podcast streaming network, right? Uh, I, so that one I've been behind on but uh, for the audio. But the, the video is always on the, on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel. And so, yeah, it's all it's always there. It's always on uh on underworld twitch and ion cannon twitch uh ion cannon podcast being the 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 main my main podcast with joel davis over also on on the underworld network underworld channel that's mondays uh 8 30 p.m eastern 5 30 5 30 p.m pacific and uh yeah those so those are all there um but yeah i i need to thanks for thanks for the reminder i need to get on that uploading to spotify maybe maybe um tractor have a dedicated tractor beam feed because uh, we, we've 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 built up, we've gone maybe uh, fifteen or so, I think sixteen episodes so far in the last last few weeks, last few months. So, Sorry. oh yeah, lots. And I I even enjoyed listening to to your single adventures back in the day. I'd be at 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 the job listening. I'd be like, yeah, this is the stuff I'm thinking about. There's somebody else out there covering this stuff. So it's been nice to reunite or unite forces to tackle these really fun yeah. stories we've been reading so far. As always, we start this thing off, and it's been literally months, and I mean months, 
since we did this as a podcast, which is our week in Star Wars, we were covering the latest and, you know, with Star Wars, we haven't had a lot of time to talk about what we've been doing lately. Uh, so we're going to throw it over to you first. Do you have anything cool to show? Anything cool to just share stories? Anything this week or in the last several weeks that you want to talk about Star Wars? I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> Funny, yeah. I mean, I could talk about New York Comic Con. You and I have talked about New yeah, York yeah. Comic Con plenty, even on this channel and, and of course, on the Underworld channel. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot. So Monday, we usually do this too, uh, Joel and I. Monday, I forgot to mention Bad Bash 2 with Paul Sung-Hyung Lee. So here's the thing with living in Toronto is, uh, I mean, Paul, he, he's very, he, he, I mean, he's really, really friendly and open. Uh, I mean, if you have a question, you know, on Instagram DMs, he's likely to get back to you eventually, things like that. <laughs> uh, every year, just after his birthday, uh, last year was the first one, this year, this past year uh, was the second one. He does a ticketed birth public birthday slash Halloween kind of thing, and uh, it was this past Saturday, and it was the the Bad Bash two, <laughs> Bad Bash. Um, yeah, it was great, and you know, it was sixty bucks, all every cent of it going to Canadian Blood Services, a great cause that he believes in, that we all we all believe in, and uh, you know, off at Off World Bar here in Toronto, down on Queen Street. Just go and they donated the drinks and they, well yeah they like think they donated the drinks you pay for the drinks and and they donate uh, to Canadian Blood Services as well great raffle and at some point throughout the day throughout the night uh, Paul comes around and works the room and just chats with everyone and so uh, it was Dom Kareem and me and a bunch of bunch of other folks chatting about saying hey thanks for everything you did in. In this streaming service that I know you're on strike for, but thanks you can talk in person about. Uh, thanks for doing doing that, doing such a great job, uh, being such a surprise appearance in that in that show. And yeah, and and Dom um, chatting with the Blue Jays with him, which was great. But uh, yeah, so that, that's always really cool. Um, and so yeah, if, I, I never got any any photos myself, but here's the here's the I think the really cool thing is, and I, I'm gonna kind of kind of cross the picket line slightly here is uh because it's just too cool so our, our friend kareem is a, a cosplayer and he was maybe one of the first cosplays of ezra in in the show in the streaming service show and uh and like uh, the like grown up ezra with the beard and everything and so he should he's there he shows paul the the cosplay oh. uh dom takes a photo uh, on i think on on paul's phone and Paul's like i'm gonna send this to dave filoni <laughs> and he texts Dave Filoni because they're because they're on they're on, they're on, you know he got the the phone call. Oh my gosh! So yeah, so that's that's oh. really sweet. Just yeah, he he does such a great job, and and you don't you don't get starstruck with him because he's so kind and approachable. And uh, he you know when he was at the beginning talking about Canadian Blood Services and how his you know his own his own father needed I think a blood transplant recently, and so getting clearly very emotional about that and. Uh, yeah, he is what you see is what you get with that guy, is is the sense I have, you know. Um, and so it's, it's just a really cool, again, a reminder about this city, especially about how uh, the Star Wars fandom in this city is, is still tremendous. Uh, I ha So and I also to say that I have recovered from coming back from New York. That was, it was spectacular, but yeah, it's good to get to be settled and get to kick off that return with, with a party uh, right here in in my backyard so yeah that's that's the week in star wars i mean if you want to talk again talk about comics 
uh, I go on the Underworld Network. We talked about that yesterday, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and there's another. I mean, the 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 Marvel streaming service that was great too, and that's got some Star Wars esque things going on there. But uh, yeah, I guess that's about it for me. Um, <laughs> cool, cool, fun party, real world, real world connection, human connections there. Yeah, no, that's really awesome about just rubbing elbows with somebody just out there. Um, <laughs> In with the fans, not having bodyguards, not having a security force between yeah. you and them, just having like that, that, you that is just so... <laughs> so yeah, that's that's really cool. About I mean, you sent me that message at like two in the morning or something, like, oh yeah, yeah. I was just with this actor from Star Wars. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, because I know, you know another Saturday it. night, another two a.m. Yeah. Did you, now, now the real question is: Did you actually have Spotchka while you're over there? No, although there is a. Uh, so I think last year there was something like a blue drink called Spotchka <laughs> because was it? Is that the? So there's there's the like the restaurant kind of nerdy bar and grill restaurant pub place called Stormcrow Manor. If you're ever in Toronto, come to Stormcrow Manor. They have something called Romulan Ale. Mm. <laughs> it's, Star Trek, but <laughs> uh, that for that night they renamed to Spotchka, and so there's that. No, there was a like a, a Yoda margarita, and uh, some other thing. I think like like a horror themed. If it bleeds, we can kill it kind of thing. And just like it's also have the Halloween vibe. Um, oh yeah, and I think the non-alcoholic version was. Oh my goodness, what's the that that. Uh, the the thing that Luke is milking in, in oh thalassirene yeah so it was like thalassirene milk sort of but uh, it was a cocktail so yeah <laughs> they they do fun nerdy things there and yeah it's it's it, it's cool to be nerdy it's cool to be geeky now geeky is is fun nobody mm -hmm. cares it's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's it's good to see you you're safe back there having a good time. Um, I'll show you guys because we have an entire video breaking down everything we've seen out there standing in front of the Javits Center. Me and you are there's the place closed down for the weekend where we're recapping everything that happened. So I don't want to, you know, repeat anything we already did over there. And we have a lot to talk about tonight, as I said off the top. But I will show two things that I was very happy that I actually got my hands on at the convention. And you guys have seen stuff on my Instagram, maybe. Of the crazy amount of Star Wars ornaments I've collected from, I think, the age of seven onward. And they actually had unique, specific, exclusive Hallmark ornaments that you could only get there. And they had some of my favorite characters of Star Wars, so I had to get these, each one. <laughs> you got Blacker Santon in this nice box. This is an exclusive box. They're usually in, like, the red and white boxes, too. So even the packaging. And look at that. One of 3,000. Incredible. And it looks so good. Like, I don't want to take him out, but I'm going to because I'm not that kind of creator. Like, I will take things out of the box. Unless there's, like, a couple, like, I don't know. I have, like, a Kylo I mean, Ren and a Han window, Solo. Right? So, yeah, that's the thing like, with Black Series when there was no window. If there's a window, maybe leave it in. But Yeah. yeah. And then 5000 for Revan. Now, this is huge. Actually, both of these are huge. This is the first time we're getting a video game Star Wars ornament. The first time we're getting a comic book created character in an ornament so they are breaking new ground if only hasbro would start to follow along and do high republic characters then i'd be happy you think <laughs> yeah uh it, you know we, we can we can claim santi we can claim santi heather antos can claim santi for sure 
<laughs> so yeah i'm very happy i'm running out of room very quickly because i also said i think i showed it off on a, on a previous stream that i have um also the job of the hut which is like the actual puppet it's really neat how they make these ornaments they are just ridiculous they're very pricey nowadays but they are very worth it because they do really cool things like i also have the empire strikes back carbonite scene with han solo and I haven't actually put batteries in it yet or anything, but it's supposed to have the whole scene with the lights and he's going to go up into the tunnel and come out as carpet. Like, it, it's a, it blows my mind that these things are actually ornaments and I just don't have any room on these trees. I'm going to have to have another artificial tree for more Star Wars ornaments. And I'm only 33. I, it, what happens when I'm like 66? It's gonna, I'm going to need five trees by then. Well, you know, when you're 38, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, how big of trees are you talking about? Are we talking about like the little whatever? Yeah, or we know, it's like, like a whole... six foot tree, like a six foot artificial, five foot All or right. six foot artificial right. tree. And I have that thing dedicated to Star Wars. Nothing else on there that's not Star Wars. I get sure. usually on average between four to six ornaments a year now because some of them i buy with my own money it used to it used to be my part of my christmas gift every year my mom would gift me one or two of them and now they're so cool like they have an entire two-page spread of ornaments every year with star wars so it's like well i i gotta have them all so i end up i end up yeah. just spending my own money on on some of them too <laughs> so it's just like like this year there's a there's a a rancor with boba fett you know i'm like oh my gosh i'm probably gonna get that one too if i find yeah. it it's <laughs> pretty cool that, that was a cool scene in that show yeah uh post post videos i'm curious to hear that to see what those look like the carbonite one oh, and even yeah. the uh the jabba puppet like i'm intrigued it's to... so cool because it's got yeah, the sound effects its mouth moves and it's yeah. like rubberized so it's like literally like jabba the puppet it's it's That's neat cool. All right, we're going to roll right into it with um, something that we've already talked about, so we're not going to spend much time on it, and that is what came out this week. We have Dr. Aphra issue number 37 and D-Squad issue number 2, both tying into the Dark Droid Scourge event, so we have plenty of content between the channel here, looking at my, watching my video that I put out on Thursday, and then going over to the Star Wars Underworld Network. I have a link already to their channel in the description now, if you're watching live, go ahead after this video and give us a view over there and send us a comment because we really want to start building up a, a strong community over there because, you know, the Star Wars comics is very niche. I, we realize that, but there's really good stuff happening and we would love to have your your feedback, everybody out there. So there's a little cross pollination going on, but we're all we're all together in this and we all just want to have that positive Star Wars community going between here, there and everywhere. If only if you're just curious as to what my actual podcast setup usually looks like. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. But also, yeah, we, 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 we go into it. Uh, you know, I, I have a very intellectual background um, you know, with some master's degrees. And so kind of bringing that to to the plane, Star Wars comics, and comics about droids and this Scourge thing. And yeah, who knew? Who knew? But yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. So yeah. It, it's, it's very timely. I will say it's very timely that we're getting this story. This time of year, it's great. Cause sometimes yeah. Star Wars oh, yeah. kind of misses the boat. Like there's been other stories. Like I'm so happy we got Tales from the Death Star this year. Like mm -hmm. actually in time for Halloween. It was perfect to read on the train home from Comic Con. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I read it yeah. on the plane home. Yeah. Say all different kind of transportation. We're reading Star Wars. Yeah. However we can, however we can cram it in. Right. So that's 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 that's, 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 that's the hardcore fans. 
making making Lucasfilm mm-hmm. proud there. Um, and we're really happy about High Republic. We're, we're, we're always championing it, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on our own videos. Uh, me and you have been holding up that light for a while. And as I said, I think on yesterday's like this, the High Republic is what's going to be carrying the flame for for Star Wars for a considerable amount of time with these strikes having hampered a lot of things. So it's great to see Star Wars publishing taking that limelight. And even if you were to go on StarWars.com right now, they have that little like logo and the address thing. It was Ahsoka for the longest time. And now it is actually the High Republic Jedi logo. So it's like, yes, they acknowledge, they put it front and facing. The High Republic is back for phase three, the final phase. But tonight we're taking a step back. I have not really spent a lot of time other than my reviews, but having a long form discussion on how do we feel about phase two? What were the impacts? favorite moments, favorite characters, locations, favorite books, favorite piece of published media, all that. We're going to dive into it as as concise, but as geeky as we want it to be, because this is what we're here about on Outer Outer Rim Transmission, everybody. So I think the best way to get started is for me to just go ahead and read the opening crawl. And I think that'll give everybody, because I, I realize there's a lot of people out there that probably have not even opened up a single page of a High Republic anything. So for those of you that are interested, we're going to read off the, I'm going to read off the good old synopsis. And here it goes. Quest of the Jedi. It is a time of great exploration in an effort to unite the galaxy. The chancellors, keyword chancellors of the Republic, working alongside the courageous and wise Jedi Knights, have dispatched dozens of Pathfinder teams into the farthest reaches of the Outer Rim. But it is also a time of great uncertainty. Communication is unreliable, and tall tales of mysterious planets and monstrous creatures abound. Prospectors and pirates roam the frontier, and the worlds of Iram and Arona are locked in a forever war. And on the far-off planet of Dalna, a new threat to the galaxy is beginning to emerge. So yes, there's a lot to dive into just that, right? You have like basically three different plot lines happening. You have the exploration, which is something I've been looking forward to forever in Star Wars. You have this civil war between these warring people, and then you have this mysterious creatures that we were teased about towards the end of phase one. So I think the best way to just open this up is what we usually do is just like impressions, just a, a kind of mm-hmm. surface level impression and we'll get i have a whole list we'll go through as much as we can tonight um about just yeah i know you're a really big fan about this phase so i'm going to throw it over to you first yeah the the first thought i have is to say you know phase to i mean compare contrast to phase one it's just our frame of reference mm-hmm. there phase one went went deep into character motivations into what the jedi are about Phase two uh, did that for what the Nile would become, and in any other Jedi as a, a foil to that. But that you we all you always love to see. I mean, I, I always have a, a a thing about peeling under the surface and peeling back the layers mm-hmm. and seeing yeah how the sausage is made, but yeah. also how how people tick and what what's really driving things and the way it it takes the Nile and says actually this is how they start this is where they come from this is what they really care about what they believe at least uh at least marta especially and, and some of you know the, the path of the open hand generally and so the way it, it dove in and dove into those tunnels literally and figuratively 
of <laughs> the you know, of perspectives on the Force and perspectives on yeah um, you know, uh, on the Jedi and on uh, you know being marginalized in the galaxy. I I just I loved that. I ate it up. It was so fascinating, and the way again it does it primarily through this character Marta Rowe, who starts off this incredibly. And I know this is kind of prefacing a question you have coming up, but uh, also you know that she's just so striking how she starts off this innocent, you know, flower giving, child rearing teenager baby babysitter teenager she's not a babysitter she's in charge of taking care of the kids <laughs> the future of the community and she goes from that to uh to being betrayed and being well first of all the, the loss of kevmo and then mm. being betrayed by the mother eventually and that sense of betrayal and sense of loss by everything the path she thought the path stood for it it really it ties everything together so clearly and so nicely in a in a in a uh, what's the word in, in, in a heartbreaking way, in a you want her to become a hero, you know, she's the villain. You know she's great grandma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Yana, and so yeah, it it just just the her alone makes this phase fantastic and so 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 gripping, and I think it's shorter, it's tighter than phase one. You know, I, I like phase one a lot. Phase two, it really it tells this very gripping, compact story. It does get focused, you know, it gets focused a lot on Jeddah, on the Battle of Jeddah, mm. uh, and then a lot, you know, a lot later on the Battle of Dalna. But it, for all that, it means that it's very, uh, you know, again, very focused and very, um, you, you know, they, they did a good job. It's not too sprawling. Uh, the one thing I'll say is with the exploration with the communications breakdown i think that was teased that it would have more of an impact it does have a bit you know when uh mm. chancellor mola is trying to fix that beacon in environment yeah. you know, uh, that but the the complications of communications breakdown it was teased as as a, a way of creating building tension it may not have as much yeah it, it builds story it builds you know the idea of the pathfinders is, is is great in the way, especially in the that first young reader novel with the left brothers. Loves it. Uh, I, I appreciated that, but yeah, it, it that was a bit of a maybe a red herring too. Yana and uh, communicate and turning taking the phones away was a red herring. But I, I mean, all on the on the whole, it it had more for me to sink my teeth into intellectually, character wise, mm-hmm. than Phase One even, and that's saying something because I loved Phase One. Oh yeah. Real quick, I'd be remiss if I didn't actually announce the new writers on board. We have Zorada Cordova, we had George Mann, we have Lydia Kang, and we have Tessa Grattan, who are all confirmed to be actually a part of Phase 3 for a much larger finish for the entire initiative. And I'll run down a list of all the releases, and you can correct me if I'm missing on anything. I think I got everything. I did this off the top of my head. I didn't have to look at Wikipedia, so I'm proud of that, but hopefully I don't mess up. We have... We have Path of Deceit. We have Quest for the Hidden City. We have Convergence, the Battle of Jeddah audio drama. We have Quest for Planet X, Cataclysm, Path of Vengeance, the High Republic Marvel comics, the High Republic Blade miniseries. We have the High Republic Adventure uh, comics. We have the Nameless Terror miniseries. And I just threw this in there for extra credit. Tales of Light and Life, which is kind of in between phase ones, two, and three. But I'm throwing it in there. I think that's all of them, right? I think. I got it. You get a Javelin's precedent. Ah, that's the one I forgot. Okay. And then the the 
it's not i guess the, it's not quest of the jedi the one shot you mentioned that but the oh, uh yes, the, the one, one with shot the, comic the one shot comic oh well, one shot, and then also um what what's the the one that like the phase one framing device that I, I maybe my brain is mixing things up where there's the, the character that meets up with the Jedi on Valo. Um, she has like, she's telling a story of oh. something set in phase two, I think, unless I'm completely wrong. And that's also a phase one story. <laughs> I could be, I could be wrong. Mm. Well, anyway, so that, I think that's, that's my brain is thinking and saying that I'll, I'll look that up later. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's mostly everything. Um, but getting back to initial impressions. So yeah, I, yeah. I agree with a lot of what you said. So I also I feel the sentiments of what you said. I was a bit bummed, man. I, I or at least with wave one, remember there's only two waves. The first phase only ha had, uh, three first phase. I was kind of like, okay, where's this going? I was such a fan of how phase one kicked off with this huge, great disaster it felt like this mm -hmm. epic like window into this brand new shining era of star wars you got all these characters it really did feel like a movie and then path uh, i was kind of confused by wait they're opening with a young adult novel and there's about five characters in this whole story that are very <laughs> important like what happened here and then it's like it's a romance and i i i i have no problem with romance but I was just I felt like it started a bit slow and then you but then you go to quest for planet X or no no quest for the hidden city and I was like this this it's it's a middle grade novel but this is the kind of stories I was hoping for like when we first got the high republic teased they're saying this is the exploration of the outer rim phase one it's basically most of that's already established it's mostly already explored but then they go back another 150 years. And I forgot to mention that as well. Sorry, I'm trying my best to do this. And I forgot to even mention where this falls in the timeline. I believe, Matthew, it's like 380 BBY or something like that. 150 years before Phase 1, which is 200 years before Phantom Menace. Hope you guys got that. But yeah, so we're doing all that. This is the furthest back in canonical timeline of Star Wars we've gone, simply put. And you had mentioned this briefly about you know, oh, the, the communications aren't as good. And that's where I think that the, the middle grade novels, mm -hmm. Quest for Planet X, Quest for yeah. Hidden City, both written by George Mann, excel in giving you that, that kind of exploration and the danger of going into the unknown. And that's the most, that's the thing I was looking most forward to the High Republic. And I didn't really get that in phase one. I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Or not surprised, but a very satisfied of what we got from this could i have used more of that yes certainly could have but it was nice getting a piece of okay this is star wars lore going back we're we're discovering new planets what that's what's that like you got these pathfinder crews they got the medic they got the communications expert they usually have a padawan they usually have a master you got like this whole crew with a droid i i love the idea of these these teams and whoever's idea on the Lucasfilm, uh, you know, Illumineer group uh, for coming up with great, great, cool world building and everything else. But yes, so then you get into Convergence by Zerata Cordova, and I was, I was fine with that book. I thought that was pretty cool. I like the idea of like these warring lovers and stuff. That was pretty fun. But then Wave Two of Phase Two is what really locked me in. Every one of those books really hit. Whether it be battles with Yaddle, the Night of Sorrow, we'll get into that. Right. Um, yeah. Everything with Planet 
Quest for Planet X, where it was like this nice bait and switch where you think the story is going one way and it goes somewhere completely different. I was like, yes, I give props to George Mann for that whole thing he just did there. And the young adult novel, Path of Vengeance, written by Kevin Scott. Like, man, that was awesome. That was a great way, a strong finisher. So I think it started off slow, but it won me over with Wave 2. And it's because they did the job of building, like you said, building these characters in that first wave to making them some people that you care about. And you get to see the evolution. They've dived deeper into the characters than they did in Phase 1. So more on character this is this is definitely the phase yeah uh I, the comic in question you mentioned planet x tears of the nameless is set on planet x or maybe not on planet x but the one where they they discover the ship full or is that like yeah those that's that's phase two that's the nameless uses, terror nameless terror yeah that's what i mean the nameless terror yeah that's phase two um, yeah, yeah, I, put, yeah I put that in past, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Fair. You mentioned that. I, I don't. Know. I, I forget. It was. It's a lot of books. It's a lot of books. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that's. It's interesting because like I actually have the opposite impression a little bit. Uh, <laughs> for me, Wave One I like better. Uh, up to including the the brilliant point where one of the times I had to message you after reading a comic book, uh, Marvel issue number four, with uh, when when. Uh, Worth and Yana go before the convocation, and they're like, "We think you're all nonsense. Please give us a seat. <laughs> you won't give us a seat. How dare you not give us a seat?" That whole dynamic that they build up to with that, and how you're sympathetic to the path, but also, where do these guys get off? <laughs> you know. So mm. yeah, it's just, I mean, it's not that I dislike Wave Two. I did. I liked it, but. Uh, everything I gravitated towards was in wave one. So, oh. yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, we got we got different. I mean, yeah, slightly different perspectives. There. Yeah, we got some comments coming in. Chris Forsyth, uh, the High Republic, mm-hmm. uh, it's just not for me. I uh, said it didn't get me interested at all. I question how far he got into it. Like Tim Toys is saying, Timbo Toys is saying, I admit I wasn't into it at first until they introduced Martian Rowe and the nameless creatures. That hooked me. So. Yeah, it's it's great because this is such new Star Wars. It's not gonna work for everybody, and that's what Star Wars in general, right? Like you got the the lovers of Andor, like myself, and then and then and then people that just straight up don't like Obi Wan, right? That's <laughs> that's just how things are these days. It's just you got you got different tastes, but the thing is, there's a cornucopia of content, and you just <laughs> can champion your content that you want and shout it from the rooftops, like we're doing here tonight for giving a spotlight on. The High Republic. So I want to jump into the Jedi. And what were your thoughts on the Jedi this far removed from the Phantom Menace? Were there any Jedi that stood out to you? What were their ideals like? Mm. Did you enjoy Creighton's son as a character? I don't know. I just He's one of the guys I just keep remembering his name. He's just like this epic regal Jedi. So one of the things that's continued from Phase 1 is... The characters I gravitate towards are the ones that they spend the most time with, in a lot of ways, in some exceptions with Phase 1. But in Phase 2, I mean, thinking about Jedi, I'm thinking specifically, oddly enough, with about Kevmo and Gela, or Gela, and, Gela, Gela, Marky and Martian, whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah uh, Kevmo and Gela. Kevmo, again, because, I mean, Path of Path of Deceit is so great. And, <laughs> and being that, that foil for Marta in that... You know, confusing. Oh, he's using the force, 
but in a benign way, ended up saving the, the Kesserine family, mm. and uh, you know, and and also you know, exploring being Padawan, exploring what it's like to you know fall in love with the, this weird blue gray girl, whatever you know, it, it just different, uh, different ways in which they express that. I mean, that's another consistent thing with phase phase one is the younger characters, the young adult characters being the more compelling. Gela, you know, I mean, it's hard. I think, you know, may, maybe, maybe Gela, maybe, maybe Creighton and them. Um, I think with, with Gela especially, it's her, her ability to, you know, have compassion on uh, uh, Axel and have, and have take leadership and take charge when she needs to, but also struggle and 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 suffer and be not fully sure it's interesting you know it's not she's sort of somewhere in between you know for example avar elzor stalin and the the young knights padawans she's in between she's she's not a master but she's very clearly a knight and clearly has some experience under her belt and yeah the the yeah and so it's interesting again and it's the backdrop of the path the jedi don't stand out as much as they did in phase one it seems like they weren't the focus as much in in phase two and that that's that's interesting to me you'd think they would be but i i found that you know i mean i mean that speaks to the different story arcs and different uh movement uh, of the different phases and the purpose of the different phases you know, the purpose of phase one is about mm-hmm. you know, um what do the jedi fear how do they go from being gleaming at their height to uh, the the that great retreat, the end of uh, Eye of the Storm, Phase Two. It's the Jedi are kind of the backdrop. They're kind of mm-hmm. there. Yeah, they aren't at their height yet. No, nope. that's another. Thing. They aren't uh, as boldly organized. They're there. They're out in, out in the galaxy. Yeah, they haven't been pushed back yet. But it's really that Phase Two is all about how the path become the Nile. We gotta talk about that. So, yeah, the path. And so, Oh, just to man. just to say, I don't know if I have a good answer to your original question because they're intentionally yeah meant to be secondary characters. They're right. I I mean I brought it up because I threw it to you because I'm sitting here thinking like they did not yeah. make much of an impression on me either. I'll be honest. It's just they yeah. are there in the background. And the coolest thing about the story is it introduces cults to Star Wars. And I've never really, at least I've not, I always say I'm not well-versed in Legends. Maybe that's been a thing. I don't know. But at least in canon, this is the furthest extreme we've gone with having this select group of people that are living on Dauna that have learned to just, you know, that you can't use the Force. It's got to be saved. Save the Force. Uh the force shall be free, the force must be free. Yeah. and it must be free and all this crazy talk. And, and it's just really cool to have this kind of love. And I love this about the High Republic. It's they make things so much more complex for our benefit, um, the writers, because it could be so easy to come up with another empire, another kind of Sith or something. But no, they're going outside of the box and they're inventing the Nile, these Viking raider type people that are just going out and stealing stuff. That's pretty neat. Oh, we're going back and they're they're putting in a cult that is led by somebody with this cult leader, the mother, that is, uh, I, I mean, this is a spoiler cast, so I'm not, remember, this is all holds no bar on this thing. We're, we're going full in. If you haven't read, 
it's been it's been over for a couple months now so hopefully you've, you've read it i just that. finished it like a few weeks oh ago, yeah so it's fresh <laughs> in my mind <laughs> yeah but it's so cool like having us this cult led by this enigmatic cult leader that these people mm. are just obeying and it's like this mind control stuff that is happening where they're getting you know this they're giving special attention to her and they're doing her bidding and it's like what is happening and i feel like the mystery for this entire series this entire phase has been so well planned like you're like okay what is the mother's deal and you don't know until like the very end yeah. what is is this the new not is this the old version of the nile what, what is going on here so when it comes down to phase two it really does come down to, as you said, you're referencing, this is kind of the origins of the Nile, if you will, the origins of the Nameless and why they are so important, right? At the end of phase one in uh, Midnight Horizon, Yoda has this mystery figure that we now know who they are. And I'm not going to say because you haven't read the book yet. <laughs> uh, as, in, as in Tales of Light and, from Light and Life? Something else. Just forget I said anything. Okay, but... okay, 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 okay. I, I get. I know what you're talking about. Anyway, I don't know who you're talking about, but anyway, but basically, going. Yoda said something like, "Oh, we have to go into the past to find out answers for the future, or something to that degree." Yeah. And it and it lays the seeds of like, yes, they have to. We're getting phase two. We're getting all this information about the nameless and the leveler because they need this information to battle this thing in phase three. So yeah, very much enjoyed that. But yeah. Talk more if you would like about the about the path and or the path mm -hmm. of the open hand, the path of a closed fist, whatever you want to call them, because yeah. they eventually morph into. And I thought that was a great moment, by the way. But yeah, I'll throw it over to you. First of all, to say it's a great point that they could have made uh, a very two dimensional flat villain, you know, group. Um, you know, in, in phase one, it, they somewhat are. Although I will say, I mean, Markian. Very well written character, very well developed, uh, juicy villain character. He's one of the, he does stand up to Palpatine and Vader and them. Uh, Charles Soule especially did succeed with that, but then they and then some, and then they go into Grandma's story here and go into, uh, yeah, again, how they come from not not this sprawling empire, not. So much. Uh, I mean, I mean, the mother. Yeah, she's kind of mustache twirling a little bit. We can talk about. I know, I know we're going to talk about the the big reveal. I guess you know, big, the big reveal in a bit. Um, even that, I'll say right now, isn't the most important aspect of that. The most important aspect for her is she wants to be able to use the force, and she is, and she's using it to control people, and that's probably why yeah. the leveler ends up eating her arm. Oh my <laughs> gosh! You know, uh, all that. But you know, the, the, like Jedi envy, as as this motivation for her, that's not enough, right? There, there's got to be this deeper motivation of the Force must be free, and you know things we we start we hear about in, in the Last Jedi, things we hear about in Clone Wars about the Jedi being arrogant and and wanting to control the galaxy. Whether or not that's true overall, writ large, for the Jedi at the late Republic, you can debate that. Palpatine is throwing that line out. But, you know, there, here's this this little farming community off outside of this town called Ferdin, uh on Dalna, and they're very peaceable and they're very kindly. And again, this, uh, this model of gifts freely given and uh, very uh, model of 
almost uh, not not quite uh, Therese of Lisieux, if you know, kind of nineteenth century Catholic flower model, flower history either, uh, or like uh, uh, just just an example of someone who comes to mind. If that reference means anything to you, uh, means something to me, but um, you know, a very young maternal character, and and again, I keep bringing her up because she Marduk because she embodies everything this story again this story is about it, it, everything that happens for them to start off on the one hand on, on, well for start off this is very layered and complex and having multiple things happening at once and that is true i think for a lot of these in the real world for a lot of maybe more fringe religious groups uh sometimes you know, not so fringe uh in, in you know Especially in so think of what one one particular group in that country there that does have a lot of power, a lot of political power now, uh, for the last number of decades. Mm-hmm. But you know, having known where say evangelicalism comes from, how it you know it is in a way. I mean, it, it, the, this is me bringing my 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 brain into it. You know, there, <laughs> there is. Well, here's where I'm going: is there the the path and a lot of people are going to read path of deceit especially and say oh these guys are right they have a point the jedi can be tempted to use the force so wantonly and you know by the time of of the higher of the of phase one and into uh you know the late republic yeah they very much depended on their institutions and their rules and mm-hmm. uh and just the way and using that as as a buffer away from community, and that's not really the case. That is a caricature. But if that's you know, if you're you're told here's an alternative, here's a way out, uh, here's a way out of the system. Let's go have these peaceable societies. Again, the 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 Kesserine family is a great example of that. Um, you know, to to go and, and raise your raise your family and Marta and Yana being able to say, hey, you're ever any. Uh, you're yeah. known as this fearsome species that everyone hates. We don't care. We'll welcome you in, mm-hmm. and that can be incredibly appealing. That can be that's incredibly comforting. It can be then incredibly deceptive, especially when it takes on this adversarial, confrontational approach that we see in that great moment. Again, I bring this up: that moment where the shoe really drops on Jeddah. I mean, mm. it's what sparks the battle is worth the, the, the Herald. He goes to, this is in yeah. a comic book, yeah. you know, and, and really well done. I mean, Kevin and George very clearly in cahoots with each other, definitely writing, talking to each other a lot. He goes to, goes to the convocation. I'll, yeah. I'm, I'm reiterating, but I'll go in more detail here. Yeah. And, and so the convocation, I mean, the whole idea of the convocation, I love that too, but, um, you know, to say, in the convocation, it's it's this group trying uh, of the different force beliefs trying to have some you know a form for dialogue, which is how you maintain peace and order, and, and saying we want a seat at the table. And Marta's convinced that the path is going to get a seat at the table, and the uh, the herald is probably a bit more realistic, but he goes in and and says. Uh, screw you all, all you guys, you guys are wrong. We're the only ones who are right. And, and uh, we're, we're the ones who are right. Give us a seat at the table anyway. Um, you know, so we can I'll convince you just how right we are. 
And on the one hand, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> on the one hand, you know, if someone barged into our podcast and said, Hiram Luck sucks and, you know, you guys are dumb and whatever, we, we, that wouldn't be a good content. <laughs> it wouldn't actually be a productive podcast. <laughs> on the other hand, again, there's something certainly in the strength of their convictions. That is a key point. In their ability to welcome all sorts of random people in uh, the possibility of having a, a very nice, clear, it's not nice, but a very clear, graspable, very simple and simplistic explanation for why bad things happen, even to good people. Because the Jedi abused, some Jedi abused the Force over here. Mm -hmm. And so you know, it, uh, the balance, it, the Force levels, and they, they believe in the Force. They believe the Force exists. They believe mm -hmm. they can follow the will of the Force. It's just they can't control the force. There's a, a very compelling sense of submission to the will of the force come what may. And, you know, I, one thing I will say, and, and, and this was the most fascinating thing again, for me about this group is that they aren't so easily the villains. They have a point. Mm -hmm. They have mm -hmm. yeah. a, 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 a moral high ground here. I wonder if someone like Qui-Gon, like Ahsoka, like um, I mean, you know, definitely the 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 Cloud Riders and Solo, <laughs> for example. Are, we don't hear. I mean, there's this theory. Yeah. There's a theory that they're the successors, right? I wonder if they the successors have successors of the Nile. Yeah, there's a theory oh. that they are uh, Cloud Riders. <laughs> oh they, were, they were masks. They're standing up against the Coruscant government. You know, <laughs> um, th there's a theory. I mean, I, and I, I'll be interested to see it. But to say, okay, if that's what Yoda's, not necessarily Yoda, but others saying, being inspired by what they have to say and what they they believe, it's simply that, as we've seen with a lot of real world communities, a very good, I'd say loving, deeply moral uh, conviction gets gets taken and gets abused for, I mean, it is financial interest a lot of the ways, I mean, it's not that Alicia really cares about, uh, you know, these force artifacts. She does care about two in particular, but uh, the rest she just wants to fund her war effort. And yeah, it, it's the the that's the extra layer underneath it that the Jedi have to and then confront. But then Marta also has to confront herself. So that's the thing for me is the path of the open hand. One of the great. I, I'm going to use some superlatives here, um, and. You know, in a, in a later question, which we're getting at, the, yeah, the path of the open hand. One of the great factions, one of the great groups, one of the great ideas in in Star Wars canon, because they're not again, they're not like you were saying, they're, they're not this evil empire. They're this peaceful farming mm -hmm. community that mm -hmm. gets corrupted by uh, by their own beliefs to yeah. some extent, but by the 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 all or nothing way they go about it. Yeah, because actually, it was established that. The path of the open hand ended up being like on her own well before the mother came in, and the mother yeah. came in and just took advantage of him, right? So it was just like, huh, what's what's going on here? Um, I want to jump in before we get too far ahead of just talking about the leveler and the impact and the horror of this creature and just how it fits with Star Wars because, again. The High Republic has introduced so many awesome ideas into Star Wars. Remember, Michael C. Glane from the onset of this project said, 
What do the Jedi fear? That was the question we all wanted to have answered. It's not something we think about. The Jedi are fearless for the most part. These noble warriors of good and they battle evil and injustice. And But what if they are afraid? And this is the manifestation of the Jedi's fear. And it actually plays on them. And we get to see poor Kevmo in the first book. Oh my gosh, like we're seeing this creature, this this infantile version of the leveler somehow managed to still do this much damage and we get to see just the aftermath and the cover up with yoda and creighton's son about what's going on with these things and how it's going to bite them in the butt like 150 years later what were your thoughts on on all these creatures and how they fitted in with all the stories that we've seen in phase two well, it's, I'll start with how they they fit in with how, what we've seen in Phase One, and it was it was nicely consistent. It, it wasn't out from out of left field, right? We've already seen in, in the Fallen Star, especially what these creatures can do, uh, and so to see, I mean, to see their origins. Here's the thing with Phase Two. Sorry, with yeah, with Phase One, but Phase Two to see their purpose, why it's called the Leveler, uh, what, you know, in in Path of Path of vengeance they go to planet x and they say okay there's there's the underdweller and these other you know these different names the leveler and and the leveler being connected with the path's beliefs about balancing the force by say by saying that the jedi have to stop imprisoning the force chaining the force and this is saying that this is the implications of that yeah i mean to, to, to again to have that deeper story behind it um, you know, it, it, what it does is it changes the answer to the question a little bit, you know, and, and the thing is, I don't actually, to so the, what do the Jedi fear? And I don't actually think there's necessarily one answer. I think each, I mean, each Jedi character has a fear mm-hmm. in phase one. It was losing. I think it was losing influence in the galaxy, being able to be the ones to save the galaxy. They feared losing that. In phase two, we see we do see more about how it's uh, how how the level or the nameless they feed on the force, mm-hmm. and so it's a sense of the thing you know for the Jedi the the force is the the at the core of who they are their ability to connect their sense of the world around them it's the air they breathe, and for the air they breathe to start choking them, it, you know that mm. that's terrifying and that the thing they've come to depend on for their existence. You know, it's to say, what if God is actually evil? <laughs> or or what if there's a way for something that can turn God evil, if you will? And, and you know, classic Christian theology won't go there, okay. but <laughs> in the Star Wars mythology, it can. And, and that's, in a way, I mean, to some extent, right? I mean, I don't think it's going to say, you know, just like the Sith, trying to actually control the Force, actually bend it to evil, bend it to darkness, the light will always spring back. But without, not without cost, not without, uh, you know, the the damage being done in the in the, you know, the 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 night of darkness, or whatever. The, I forget what it's called, the night of tears. The night and, of sorrow. Yeah, yeah, that one. Night of sorrow. <laughs> that's hard yeah, because they got the Mandalorian the trail of tears or whatever it was in the Mandalorian. That's the night of trail a thousand tears, tears or night something. Of sorrow. <laughs> yeah, uh, the night of sorrow. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. So so giving it a story seeing its purpose and that story being connected to the fears of the Jedi laying the groundwork then, or, I mean, it, it 
so you know at the end of phase one they they say okay markian has, has destroyed starlight you know destroyed valo has destroyed starlight yeah um the nameless are back with level is back why are they all of a sudden say okay everyone pull up your tents yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. hide in the temple yeah, yeah, yeah this makes more sense it felt i i can see some people feeling that it was abrupt i didn't necessarily but this adds so much more even if they don't know consciously why they immediately make that decision why that's such the knee jerk it's ingrained that Hmm. This is what you do when these things come back, when this threat kind of comes back. Again, even if they don't know it. So, uh, yeah, again, with phase two, giving that deeper layer to what we see in phase one and then hopefully phase three. Yeah. Speaking of giving deeper layers, it's really cool getting deeper layers to some of the locations, right? We're going to Dalna. And we got to see Dalna in that last book for phase three. Uh, middle grade novel written by Justina Ireland. I always wave forget the title, the Wave Three, of the book yeah. where they're 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 the destruction. We get to see the destruction of Dalina, and now we're getting to go back in time to seeing what all these references were to like Yoda saying, "Oh, I can't talk about like no one wants to talk about Dalina." And we're getting yeah. that information. We're getting to see it in the beginning when it is that farming community, and the writers do such a great great job of showing that slow process of like by the end of path of vengeance like it's just muddy there's nothing taken care of there it's almost like it's it reminded me a lot of like the vietnam war right like these people digging these trenches under the ground they don't care about the crops anymore they don't care about nothing but we've seen that what this planet could be and what it did look like before so I liked the deep calling to the references. The readers like us that are the big heads when it comes to the High Republic, getting through, sticking with it, getting rewarded for just this awesome kind of connectivity between everything. But yeah, the, the planet Dauna is up there with going to be some of the planets in Star Wars, right? Like that we're know of like, you know, it could be like the Narshada or it could be like the Kef Beers out there, right? Where it's just this, not, not super well known, but they have been really fleshing the heck out of this plant that we've never actually seen on screen before. Sure. The, the Leo point <laughs> that comes up <laughs> next. So just like uh Arano in, in just in Ireland's comic. Yeah we gotta talk Imperial about Arano in uh well in, in the, the Santa Star Wars comic. Imperial Arano. Yeah. So yeah wait, that's, wait, it's there. That I mean, was in yeah, there? Course, wait, really? Yeah in the Santa Star Wars comic. Uh I didn't pick up on that. She just goes to Arano. It does. It looks like any other planet. It just happens to be Arano, and of course, uh, Avon's involved in that. But that's oh. that's Empire era, so that's all other thing. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's in there, and and one of those, yeah, in Phase One, it's, it's just very the shady thing, this trauma that they don't want to revisit, and yeah, we know why, right? Just imagine the, again what I was just saying about the Nameless uh, and the Leveler embodying everything the Jedi fear about the force turning sour mm -hmm. you know that that memory comes back even for someone as mentally strong as yoda so it, it fits it fits well oh yeah and, and talking about iram and arona this is a story that we haven't really gotten in star wars in a while at least i don't think but just the idea about these warring planets it's like this demilitarized zone in the center of this like space lane I really like how Zerata Cordova kind of gave us the backdrop, right? The the importance of this sector of the galaxy is that, again, in the future, 
we get to see a peace treaty. The, we get to see these people joining the Republic. But mm. this also dives into the governmental of having two chancellors, having a Quarren chancellor that's dealing with the Outerim, having So, who is dealing with the Coruscant Sea. We've never seen a dual chancellorship before in Star Wars. And well, we're also seeing why that doesn't work by the end of Phase 2. So I loved mm. seeing the political aspect of, of this Star Wars era of timeline, really getting to dive in deep, getting to see this person, how she's dealing in politics um, with her yeah, son as kind Keon of like... Keon yeah. Keon, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that going on. But yeah, what was your thoughts over the the, the people of Irami who have like the sea? Mm -hmm. and that's where Starlight Beacon yeah. crashes into. And then Irona is just this rocky, hard landscape. And you got these two different peoples that are... It couldn't be further apart from their ideologies. One is more warlike, one is more artistic. It just, it was really neat. It's very evocative, it's very symbolic. Um, you know, the way the people's mindset matches their ter their terrain. Um, it was a yin-yang. And it's sad and frustrating because they should cooperate. They should be, have a sort of unified governmental, at least, at least government cooperation we see this a lot in the real world. We see for I'm, I'm thinking you know you talk about Vietnam, North and South Vietnam. Um, in a more peaceable example, you have Belgium, you have Flanders and Walloon. They're able to come together and work it out and figure it out. Different countries have these power sharing agreements. In part, I mean, it has to do with the fact that, well, th this is this is you know the 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 absence of the Republic in this time period requiring them to compete with each other for whatever resources come through and so you know even you know the, the example of the the ice trying to get into get to arano and yeah. they're trying to say nope we, we want that ice for what do you need ice for you have lots of water uh you know it's just <laughs> the hostilities <laughs> that they forget what they're fighting for and, and they forget they're just they're just the ingrained you know they're the enemy over there i mean that it has come up yet again recently in the last month in the real world, sadly. Um, and I won't get too much into that, but the, the way that these narratives can get played out and, um, you know, it, it's, it was frustrating in a good way and well-written frustrating that again, I come back to this moment, this linchpin moment of, of worth and Yana in front of the, uh, in front of the convocation. And then they go out and they start the riot where the treaty that that leads to the treaty just falling apart because people just start blaming the Jedi and people mm. start blaming Iram Narano must be your fault must be your fault because people want an excuse to to blame the other people blame the mm. other you know the the path want an excuse to blame the Jedi you know uh, the the Jedi probably want an excuse to blame others I don't know it was I will say though you know in terms of a, a duality you know, the 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 Keong um, what's the Molo? I forget his first name. The Greylock Molo, you know, co-chancellor. It was a fascinating idea. I thought it worked well enough. I would say it. They, it, but and, well, it worked well enough because the two of them they have this commitment to making it work. It there's interesting. Again, one of the comments from a, from a convention. Uh, Molo is you know, he's Corrin. He's more focused on the outer rim. He wants to be the one who looks good back on Coruscant. Greylark, she's the one on Coruscant. She's already set. She's already good uh, back on Coruscant. She wants to 
have the outrage to the outer rim. And so it's just, I don't know quite how well that got played out. If that's sort of just this subtle implied motivation there. Uh, to say, well, maybe to say, I mean, he's, you know, Molo's out there, wants to be able to come back to Coruscant and say, I made this treaty happen. And of course, when it doesn't work out, you know, he does the best he can. Yeah, that, yeah, I thought, again, I thought it was a fascinating idea. Again, does it does it work out or not? The only thing is, I mean, it, it's that at the end of the day, uh, Keong gets compromised by Axel, and Axel joining the path and mm. being sucked in by the path, and you know the and, and and then you know, I mean, Keong's showing this great heroic moment of resigning her seat, resigning her office, yeah. so she doesn't actually have the bargaining chip for the path, mm. and. You know, the, to bring out that moral core in her was was really well written, really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the, they did a great job not letting us get bogged down in the politics. If they're if they needed the, the where they did do more, they the story needed it to do more, and it did. I'm saying they did a good job. Was with Iron Man Aaron or with Jerry and Fantu specifically with their parents. Uh, you know the 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 domestic situation, and the, the domestic political situation. So they, yeah, I, I appreciate that. With the chancellors, it was it was just a simple. Let's just have them kind of a storytelling. Yeah, make things a little simpler. Um, to have one chancellor out there taking care of business, the other chancellor holding things down at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it again. I think it worked well enough, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, and as far as the character of Gela, I I, I always like these stories that show us what a Jedi's responsibility is in times where there is no crisis. What does a Jedi do? Okay, she's just overseeing these peace talks, right? Just a a simple, the Jedi is there just, you know, to to have the Jedi as she's kind of like a representation of the Jedi Order. Okay, we're overseeing this. Oh, wow, there's, there's some serious stuff going on. I have to actually defend somebody now because shots are being fired, right? So it's just... I like the insertion of, of a Jedi character into this storyline, but then always, and I love the characters that are non-Force-sensitive, everyday Joes. Okay, he's a rich boy, so he's not an everyday Joe, but the Axel Greylock storyline is really awesome. Seeing this guy, this party boy from Coruscant, just having a blast, taking advantage of his position of his parents, and then we're seeing him go through the ringer, his character is written so well between Lydia and Zoraida's point of view. Like you, you kind of, at least I was kind of on the edge of my seat, not knowing exactly where his, his, um, his trust lies. Like where, where is his allegiance? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Where, who's his, who's his actual allegiances to? Because it's at the Mm -hmm. flip of a coin. You don't know what he's going to do. And then you, like you said, you fight out as part of the path. And it's like, well, is he going to redeem himself? He's in that facility in, in Lydia Kang's book trying to get out of there, pulling a fast one and still not working on the good guy's side and then at the end. So there's a lot of great culminations, uh, conclusive moments like at the end of Convergence and all these great moments with the flood and the bombs. Like there's just, he's a, one of the best written characters I feel like of the mm-hmm. High Republic phase two and he, he doesn't really have that much of a happy ending if I'm being honest at the end there. <laughs> He, he's the chaos, and yeah. the thing about yeah, the chaos. The thing about chaos is, uh, if you're if you're the villain character, 
the chaos can turn to the light if that's what he wants to do in the moment. And, uh, you know, yeah, he just really, again, well-written. I, I loved, you know, that's with, with Gela. I loved the way she has an effect on Axel and how he, she provides him this opportunity to overcome this mysterious tragic death of his father. The one he did connect with more, right? The way, uh, yeah, the way Keong is able to step into that later at the end. Um, and then for Axel, yeah, to have this, this heroic way to go. And, you know, uh, and again, my, my brain is a little fuzzy because I've read a lot of stories, but uh, yeah. I know it, yeah, it doesn't go well. But, um, yeah, again, it, it, because he goes back and forth, and I think his motivations actually do go back and forth. I think mm -hmm. he's conflicted mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to trust the Jedi. And so it's partly why he's into the hands of, uh, goes into the hands of the mother. You know, he doesn't trust the mother because she's clearly up to no good and got her own interest going on. Does he trust himself? Maybe. Um, maybe that's part of the thing is him being the chaos. He holds himself lightly at times. His mother surprises him. <laughs> His birth mother surprises him <laughs> by by showing him that compassion. Gela surprises him by sticking it out, even as uh, as you know he, he's turned on her and he, you know he escapes the prison. Uh, you know, yeah. And also, I I have read the the uh, tales of light and life. He's, I mean, he, when yeah. he's just a kid. He's just a, a, yep, yep, a yep, yep. irresponsible college frat boy. Uh, <laughs> You know, trying to party it up. Yeah. Just you. Know, but even then, you know, he has this heart for for this this girl, and and uh, there's the core, the moral core, the core to connect. Connect is there with him. It just gets layered and smothered, and then brought out again. And it, it is in a way a classic Star Wars story, right? Of, of this young kid who who then gets goes through the thing, goes through it. And then the, his loved ones. I mean, you know, I mean, it's Anakin clearly, but also I think Afra is one of those characters I keep talking about on on Tractor Beam. Mm -hmm. There's a few of those kind of roguish Han is maybe uh, the the yeah. clearest example it's archetype. Of a you, got, you always have these yeah. archetypes in Star Wars, right? The smuggler, yeah. the Jedi, the general. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so. Shifting gears into, I do want to spend a little bit of time on George Mann's work with the quest. Yeah books because i really like where he where he went with those books he really again dived into the exploration the unknown the monsters especially quest for uh quest for the hidden city was fantastic of just getting into these vampiric yeah. type creatures Catacute. and then what is it the catech the catechute <laughs> yeah so cool and you have this character named ruper this badass little girl with these dual lightsabers fearless just you know taking charge and, and 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 leading this group and this is the heart of a jedi you know like and and we get to see another moment of her in tales of light and life i think you read that story recently which is a big moment yeah. for her like i was telling you tales of light and life has huge moments for the characters like becoming a jedi knight yeah uh, yeah, Rupert, Rupert just got a great arc, and, and I will say, I mean, it does connect more, like you said, with the exploration, but yeah, I mean, maybe she is a bit more of a standout Jedi 
in the yeah one of the younger again a younger character and that's the consistent thing with Howard Hovlock always the more interesting characters uh yeah she you know again and the, I mean that moment where she has more to give she has is more together similar I think maybe to to Keeve a little bit in that you know you know Vern for example let's go back to phase one Vern's the prodigy who thinks she has it all together and doesn't. And you know, that Keeve and Ruper and I think Ram uh reading his short story read his short story yesterday. They they're the ones who think they don't and need mentors to come around them. So the way Solandra is able to come around her, we only see, we don't see them interact with each other that much. But yeah, it uh, you know, seeing seeing her come into her own, even in that that first story we get of her, you know, the the ability her ability to recognize, oh yeah, there's the these these bat creatures. They're actually come here to help. They're not here to harm. It's only the the weird crystal black crystal filled zombie ones that are. So she's she's the one who uncovers <laughs> it. So I mean, in, part of the purpose of these stories is also to be inspiring to kids that age to say, actually, yep. you can go out and take on adventures and and offer the world what you already have and yeah you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna fumble along the way that's part of life grace teacher failure is yeah uh you already have so much strength to give as well i also forgot another edition i'm really bad at I just clung this is just the richness of the higher public phase too everybody it's yeah. just the fact it's that i've so missed cool. like three different things we got the tales from enlightenment Star Wars Insider short stories following the patrons of this cool bar on Jetta City. Um, so, yeah, there's all that going on. And that's where I'll segue into our Jetta storyline mm -hmm. discussion here. Oh, my gosh. I don't I don't I know it's kind of hitting close to home for maybe some people out yeah. there. So I don't want to dwell too yeah. much on it. But obviously, this is modeled after like Jerusalem, multiple faiths coming together, things hitting a boiling point and bam. And it's, but it's just interesting because coming into it now, 350 years, the Jedi are already like on the decline. Obviously, Jedi City was founded by Jedi. At least I think that's what mm -hmm. I read. But they have since not become the predominant um, force religion on this planet. They mm -hmm. are part of a shared convocation, if you will. And I loved seeing that in the very first issue of The High Republic, won by Kevin Scott. Mm -hmm. um, is this little backup story of like showcasing like the different four sects of the Star Wars galaxy, at least just a few of them, whether it be like this Poison Ivy-esque sect, mm -hmm. and then you have like this, um, the cat-looking Zygerian guy with an axe, oh, yeah. or, yeah, see, I'm already forgetting all the names of these things, obviously, I mean, the way I'm stuttering, but yeah. it's just like, there's <laughs> just so many cool, rich characters and religions that he just thought the, oh oh the um the people of um teth no not teth the uh oh, yeah there's the one guy that vildar mac has like crazy yeah. triggers I know with. Yeah. he's like a red sorcerer guy um sorcerer of two sorcerer i knew it was something of the t yes yeah so you got the, all this cool the, stuff. Yeah. legends i think which is another really great deep cut Oh, uh, Brothers of the Ninth Door, who apparently are going to be showing up in like a contemporary Star Wars story with Qui Gon. 
from what I've read in one of the synopsis for his original graphic novel from Dark Horse. So I like how this stuff is bleeding out into the other media and stuff like that. But yeah, what was your, I, I know you probably have a lot to say when it comes to this area because Jetta is really that flashpoint. And, it, and what's great about it is it's halfway through the phase where we get Iram and Rona. They're supposed to have that peace treaty. It goes wrong. Next thing you know, the path of the open hand with the Herald is there. He's butting in, as you said, on this important mission and then you uh, meeting and then you have what's going on with the leveler being unleashed and it's like wait this yeah. chaos what is happening they're they're pushing over a jedi monument and having this battle underneath of it like it's just absolute chaos and then in the meantime you have the star wars insider story of these poor people in this bar that are just <laughs> getting busted in and there's people just rioting yeah. inside and, and you have salandra show or actually no it's not salandra show it is maddie who is defending the the temple against all these um droids it's like there's so much stuff happening like you said this is like there's like probably five or six different stories in phase two that touch on this, whether it be the Star Wars adventure by Daniel Jose Older, whether it be George Mann's insider story, George Mann's audio drama, Kevin Scott's comics. I might be missing something mm -hmm. else, but at least four different things happening simultaneously. Yeah. And you get to see the orchestration and the architects working together because we're having all these different characters sharing in other people's books and stories and audio. It, it was a grand undertaking, to say the least. They spent a long time with Jedi. Uh, and, and at one point I was like, okay, are we still on Jedi? Are we still going? <laughs> it felt so stretched out because it, like, it wasn't in real time. It wasn't, you know, usually in these stories you get a sense of that. Like five, six months later in our real world, mm -hmm. comic book, comic book still, we're still fighting the Battle of Jedi. It's still going on. Just to underlie how important it is and how pivotal it is. In you know, I mean, it, it is the the announcement of, of the path of the open end. It's not the moment they become the Nile. Uh, it's not the moment they started. That's a bit later. But you know, it, it's that. It's um, I mean, the, it's the Jedi being unable to be the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. They fail in this mission mm. to broker this peace treaty. It's, I mean, we're such a far cry from Rogue One, eh? We, we just see that, <laughs> the, the statue down, and yeah, like you said, the, the city about to blow because the Empire is there and all that. This is, this is 380 years later, er, earlier before that, where the Jedi, nav it's this whole other world. The Jedi are navigating, mm -hmm. being one among many, and Vildar comes in, and Maddie has to tell him, look, yeah, I know what you think, you know, from Coruscant. Where the Jedi are it, but I hate to break it to you, but it, you know that there are so many other things going. On. Now there is the Church of the Force and the the Guardians of the Wills. They're oh, very much yeah. in in with the Jedi and very much supporting of the Jedi. Although the Guardians, they preface can pre, uh, the Jedi uh, predilection to go hide in the temple. They're hiding in their Kyber temple, and, and I mean there's a great moment where. They you know they get convinced. Okay, the battle's actually out, and in order to protect the Kyber Temple, mm -hmm. they actually have to go fight. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I just I mean, so this is one of the things. The earlier iteration of the tractor beam, when all this came up, I did spend a good deal of time reflecting on this. That yeah, I mean, it, it, there's the potential for great cooperation, as I mentioned 
off the top in this podcast in this episode, but it, I mean, the the tensions just boil over, and the leveler and the dark side really seeping through everything just boils over. And it's not what you think. I mean, the, there's that the ninth door brothers or whatever that you think they're the dark side. They're not really. They're a lot more benign. Um, but you know, it, it it's the thing is the convocation. It does represent the opportunity to navigate difference, to dialogue. So as I said, to to converse and say, okay, this is what we care about. This is what we want. So we hope for, and the path representing this destructive element to that. The I mean the the bombing in the in the 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 peace treaty negotiation setting everything off as well mm. part of that is the corporate interest with the graphs and the santecas and how the the path is able the path of the open hand and the mother are able to use uh those corporate interests to her own advantage as well into sowing the chaos i believe it's the mother who does that sowing the chaos of uh saying that the jedi can't be the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy even then sorry go ahead Okay, that's Go something I completely in. forgot about. What yeah. I, I feel like I missed something or a story point, but like, how were the graphs? Wait, yeah. the graphs were involved with the bombs because I didn't catch that part because they I mean, made the references the to the graphs. They made a reference to like, oh, the graphs. At one of the stories, like, oh yeah, graphs yeah. did something on Jedi. I was like, what did they do? Like, I feel like that so, wasn't clear for me enough. I guess so it was, I thought it was somebody it was else graph. that bombed them. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying I thought so, it was somebody else that bombed them, but I could be wrong. Maybe this is right, and this is where the graphs are coming in. Because I know their ships were there, yeah. because in the Star Wars Adventures comic book, yeah. you got, um, uh, what not Vernestra, but the um, the alien girl with the who's pretending to be a pirate. Oh, Sav. Sav, Sav goes yeah. there, and then she's who's talking a, to these graph people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, something, something. And they had the eviscerator fight or whatever it's called. And, oh, okay, so the yeah. graphs bombed I think city. so. So I think I mean, there's a Senteca mediator. Oh, yeah. He gets replaced by a graph mediator. Oh, yeah. The graph mediator, I think, is in cahoots with the path, with the mother specifically. Oh. And that that's how all the security defenses get taken down. That... I could be wrong about that, but that seems to be oh, okay. Letting the so the, the the negotiations they're supposed to be rubber stamp, right? Armin Armo, Erno, you know the Zerian Fan too, the Romeo and Juliet couple, happily ever after. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Um, yeah, you know, but then no, and then uh, yeah, I think I think that's basically what, my sense of what happened. So yeah, it, everything, but I mean, there's a reason they take so much time on Jedi. To, to dive into everything that's happened, it felt oddly enough, it felt more coherent to me than the Battle of Dalna. Not that the Battle of Dalna didn't feel mm -hmm. coherent; it did. It's just that uh, maybe everything. I mean, the Battle of Dalna is all. And I think we're getting. We'll probably get to that in a bit, but it's all just the same thing happening at different places, at different times. With the Battle of Jeddah, it's. There's the, the the negotiations fall apart because of the bombing, then the riot, then the different factions. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I understand. It is a little clearer, and yeah, I mean, again, the way the way there's the opportunity for cooperation and dialogue and and understanding, mutual understanding, 
the way that falls apart. Um, and, and, you know, do the Jedi blame themselves for that? That'd be an interesting question to see how they reflect on that. Hopefully not. You know, hopefully you know, characters like Creighton thinking they did what they could do. But, uh, yeah, it was, again, another another really rich, fascinating episode in this this whole thing. Oh, yeah, and finishing up, as you mentioned, with the, the Night of Sorrow and Dalna, this was one of the darkest moments in Jedi history. I would definitely think that's mm-hmm. that's the case in this one. Because this is kind of like the battle where the Jedi, yeah, they, they vanquish they vanquish the mother and all this, but at an incredible loss. Like, it is yeah. disheartening, to say the least, what happens to their kind. Just countless dozens of Jedi, I think, fall in this battle. And it's just raining, dark. You think of, like, the most evil kind of things happening here with these levelers just petrifying jedi all over the place and they're using like traps on the jedi i really felt like it was something like vietnam war for for the star wars galaxy yeah it's a great parallel just getting them trapped on foreign soil on you know an unfamiliar territory them using i mean the, the path they use their their home turf really well and as I was saying before, you know, it isn't so much the numbers are as important. Just like with you know the fall of Starlight Beacon, people sometimes wonder how oh how significant that was. It's you know it, it, it's just one station that comes crashing down, but symbolically, what the fall of Starlight represents, and then you know the, the fall of all these Jedi in in Dalna represents. It is like you was saying before. It, it is you know, the 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 thing the the you know the the thing that the Jedi come to know as their their comfort and their source of meaning and purpose twisted against them so easily so simply that you know once once a nameless comes at you mm. you're done mm-hmm. you know some of them can get dragged out but nobody's safe Creighton isn't safe <laughs> yeah uh, I'm trying to think of, I mean that is similar to to in Phase One. Uh, you also have the Nikto Jedi. What was her name? His um, kind of colleague. Former yeah. Padawan, I think. Yeah. The one also on the cover of the Battle of Jedi. I, think, I forget forget her name. Yeah, I believe but she yeah. was a knight, but... Um, yeah, but like I think former Padawan. Ada, is it her I name? Think. Ada Fortune or something like that? Ada, Ada? Fortune, yeah. There yeah. you go. Definitely with Creighton in cahoots with her. Saying in cahoots a lot. Yeah, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, it, it hard to. I admit, it was a little hard to feel just how perilous it was, because so okay. much has happened. Uh, so much has happened in phase one. But yeah, the you know the night of sorrow. I wonder, you know, as in phase three. Here's what I wonder for my own perception of it. In phase three, where they do have to actually start revisiting what happened, and if that is going to have more emotional impact for me. Um, maybe because it is just so the, the, the ability of the nameless to take the Jedi out is so decisive Yeah, that I found it, I don't know, I, it, it, it's hard to describe. I think it was just the it, carnage. I, yeah, I, I agree. Like it wasn't, yeah. I wasn't as emotionally attached to, let's say like the rising storm, like people falling in yeah. that, but, um, 
with this it was, it was overwhelming. also i'll say this maybe yeah. it was it was it was overwhelming it was overwhelming especially it, when the yeah. path of the open hand people become so militarized and they just start charging and just going to arms it's like oh my yeah. gosh how did we get here like these people are so brainwashed it's yeah. unbelievable how brainwashed they got they think the jedi are going after them they're like oh the jedi are here to get us and it's like what we're here to just try to save our friends like what the hell again i don't think that's brainwashed well it is brainwashed but i don't think it's unbelievable is what i mean right it it fits with the way these communities end up getting out radicalized and militarized and you know you, if you're told you know this is your safe space so i mean kind of similar to what the effect of the leveler and the nameless right if this is your safe space uh you know, it goes in a different direction, but then here's someone, here's this group. Oh, there's other people come to threaten you. You're gonna feel the vic victimized that way. Um, yeah, the difference, sure. of course, with with the level or the nameless is that that's the point. But yeah, it there it is. It's striking. It's realistic. I, I followed it. It is striking how just in a moment they switch from the path of the open hand to the path of the closed fist. You know the 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 large scale symbolic transition from the path to the Nile. It's not the full transition, but mm. uh, yeah, I, it was really, yeah, it was, it was it was really evocative, and that it happens in Path of Vengeance, not in uh, not so much in Cataclysm, right? Yeah, but it happens, and so yeah, yeah. So you have that, and uh, yeah, I I thought that was just one of the the crowning moments of this entire. This entire phase is just like this thing we've been getting hinted for the longest time and to see it come through fruition. Seeing Yaddle, that was one of the coolest things, seeing Yaddle fighting like this little blur across the battlefield, <laughs> just slashing up people and just, it was great. More Yaddle yeah, content. It, I mean. Yeah, we got to get more. I mean, after, yeah, and, and I'm hearing Bryce Dallas Howard's voice in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Oh man, going to the legendary Jedi himself, Porto Engel, the Blade of Bordota. Mm -hmm. That was neat. I like when Charles Soule does these deep dive mini series, these four issue series of just getting into the weeds with it and, and getting the, the origin story of the Barash Val, understanding his sister and their connection. I like how we ex explain that. Like, again, you don't have to be blood to be family. And having that whole idea, having the idea of the office of whatever it's called, where like it's like the frontier, it's literally the frontier. So yeah. anybody can show up. Oh, I'll take a mission. Next thing you know, they end up in this like war. And we even have a mercenary that is going to appear in phase three as one of the major villains. Um, and even somebody on the panel at New York Comic Con said something about like, oh, yeah, the, the, the Nile aren't the only only threats out there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this person's going to be out there for somebody. A rematch of the century, literally, in this case, with Porter Engel <laughs> fighting against yeah. the general. Forget the name of the general. There's so many characters. There's an encyclopedia yeah. coming out with over 250 characters. So give literally me a break, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, what do yeah. you think of this one? So, the Blade, it's, an, it's a fantastic standalone story. Um the way it explores, I mean, we got a siege, a ground siege in Star Wars. Who knew? Um, you know, the the way, you know, the origins of the Brash Vow and, you know, the, the way it, it, this thing could have been almost set 
whenever in a bit in in that it explores that question of of jedi interference and presuming to know what the right side is or not and how rash oh she's so certain you know and the first time i read that is like yeah i thought oh yeah she's she's gonna experience something this isn't gonna end well for her (laughs) because i mean that's the thing with the path that's the thing with you know the accusation at least of late republic jedi during the clone wars you know luke looking back luke skywalker looking back at the last jedi certainty you you we aren't given certainty and if you if you try and you know depend on certainty as this mm-hmm. very stiff rod when it faces adversity it's going to break it's going to crack the blade is going to shatter <laughs> you know and, and for 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 porter the blade shatters you know his his blood sister i believe she you know or i forget entirely what happens with her but Pizza. um <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't end well. It's been a while. But the 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 origins of this vow. It so first of all, first of all, bringing in this thing from 2017, 2017 comic. So yeah, brash, brash vow. What Anakin knows. Um, Kirik Infla is actually coming back into Phase Three, which is exciting. I this oh, one. Yeah. So this one feels almost. Wait, wait. How'd you know like, that? Real quick. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, how, how do you know he's going to be in it's, it? Uh, Charles posted on on Instagram. All right. Something, yeah. Just it's, just yeah. just read read one of the things you have to catch up. Yeah, on. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. But, I was shocked yeah, told, when I seen it. I was like, "What?" <laughs> you did okay. You didn't, I, I knew I knew it was coming. Okay. Um, because you know, phase one and phase three, especially, are going to reflect on what does it mean. For the are the Jedi gonna cower in fear and absent themselves from the galaxy because they can't be trusted to choose between light and dark. They can't be they don't trust themselves to to you know or to at least confront the Nile and to say confront their own fears. And we know ultimately they do. But what's fascinating always for me is what the Barash Vow says about the wider galaxy about the Jedi overall. And so that's the thing. I mean, we know that the sequel to the blade is actually going to come in phase three. It's ah. not, I thought it was going to be a phase two book. Yeah. Um, at the end of the blade, we have this announcement. Yeah. And I think that's a phase three book that hasn't really been talked much about. Huh. Yeah. But uh, unless that got dropped and things plans got changed, but yeah, it, it, cause it feels like this smaller story of the blade. It feels it's a smaller story. We know Porter's in Phase One. He's just, and it's one of those elderly crossovers where he's making soup, and he's really good at making soup now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think... was this legendary swords swordsman who now you know the blade of Bardotta, who now doesn't seem to want to fight at all, and of course the origins of the brush out there. So yeah, I think he's actually going to be behind the storm wall in Phase Two. Oh, interesting. Avar Chris, I think. I heard yeah. that mentioned somewhere, um, maybe. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Okay. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, just just looking at this book as a surface level, what it was promoted as was this is the one of the most badass Jedi you'll ever see, yeah. and I think Charles really nailed it because I like the idea again, kind of like the dual chancellorship. We have like a mm-hmm. dual Jedi companionship. You yeah. got Barash, who is all with the Force itself as 
almost like a mage, right? She just mm -hmm. doesn't use blades, doesn't use a saber, really just channels with the force. She's used there. They, they basically are using each other's strengths and balancing their weaknesses. So you got yeah. each, you know, you got him with the lightsaber. He can fully focus on the saber as his primary weapon and defense, more so than the average Jedi who has to focus on a balance of everything because he knows she's always got his back. So to see him excel with like using the force to hover the saber and fight without the use of holding the saber, like just really cool stuff you would see in like a video game or probably one of the Star Wars legend stories. Like we do get to see him excel. We get to see where he gets this awesome fame as being a skilled uh, Jedi kind of just roaming the galaxy. And it was a really nice story of like, yeah, the Jedi out on the fringes of the galaxy getting involved with this plan and getting that reputation and, and defending that reputation. Yeah, it, it was really cool to see. Uh, definitely would love to see that in, in, you know, Jedi Survivor, Fallen Order, number three, whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, that'll be fun. That'll be cool. Porter's story, though, is... I think the point is actually to say, yeah, he, he has his, his sister's certainty to guide him to figure things out that ends up not going well not going right. And because, you know, the, you know, the, the, the stiff rod breaks, the blade breaks and Barash's certainty breaks. I wonder if for portal Porter or other, it, the point is, yeah, I can do all these things with a lightsaber, but so what, <laughs> what, what's the point? <laughs> you know, it, because if we can't be certain we actually have to be attuned to the will of the force and you can't be certain about the will of the force. You have to be aware of it. I mean, the, the reason why the path are kind of right to some extent is that humility to say, we don't know what the will of the force is, uh, except that we can humbly listen and sit and the, the word, the traditional word I use is discern as in take our life experiences and take our things. We know that go well and go not, but also, what do we care about in the galaxy? What do we hope for? And for Porter, Porter to see, oh, what does it? What matters? What really matters? And you know, it, it goes back to Yoda. Wars not make one great. <laughs> and so, you know, again, the ability to to swing three lightsabers at a time with your mind—it's cool. It's great. What are you doing that for? What is it? <laughs> what are you using that for? And is there a more peaceable way to go forward? And I think. Uh, and I, I mean, I think that's a bit of what the Barash vow is supposed to try and say is to let go of the lightsaber entirely, let go mm -hmm. of interference entirely, not in the same way that Luke does where the time for the Jedi to end, but to say, I'm going to go and go off and meditate as a hermit. And I don't, and I don't think this reporter takes the Barash vow himself, but well, we clearly he's on, uh, on that oh, other in, making yeah yeah he's uh, making soup uh making soup, soup for bell <laughs> you know and and so and all that and so uh he's there but he's not fighting he's supporting and mm. yeah i i'm i'm really curious again to see where that goes because it, it's a part it's a half story the blade it's an awesome story and it ends up with you know with the the actual siege and the those starcross yeah. stuffers too right um yeah, that's cool. With the pregnant well. girl and the, like the yeah. mother's getting pissed because they think it's something. They call in the 
these mercenaries and the mercenaries want blood and it's like oh my gosh this whole drama <laughs> yeah it's like yeah so that was cool that was great well written story an intri interesting story yeah what does it mean for what does it mean for porter what does it mean for carrick what does it mean for the jedi as a whole and then stretching all that out what will it mean for vader and anakin i almost wonder this is my dark horse pick here's my dark horse theory you know, Mr. Tr Mr. Soul's writing the the story leading up to the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm. Is there is there a final chapter for Porter with Anakin? I don't know. Oh wow, that's a... Just his his influence, his legacy, and Barash's yeah. legacy hmm. through Kirik, through someone else. Interesting. I mean, with Luke, Luke, Luke takes the Barash vow in a way at the very end there. You know, mm. and maybe that's you know Anakin seeing that Vader seeing that. Oh. This is this is it. This is the point. This is what oh. I care about. Just like Kirik cared about. Just like uh, Porter cared about. Luke is doing this too. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I brought there it all is. together. There it is. We, we got it all together. <laughs> there it is. It's all it's all connecting as one galaxy. <laughs> kind of starting to end things. Uh, wrap things up here. Um, any other? characters or moments or specific books that you really want to talk about or you enjoyed with the high republic yeah. phase two quest of the jedi yeah i mean so i mean my favorite book is path of deceit i really love path of vengeance uh yeah. i mean we can talk about yana a little bit uh, okay you know i mean so well maybe i mean we still want to talk <laughs> more about marta actually <laughs> uh just because yeah i mean the way so yeah, this so this is to me actually the climax moment in, in Path of Vengeance. And I think I messaged you this is well I'll, I'll ask you this. Where 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 at what point are the Nile born? Would you say? Oh, at what point are they born? Uh um, Yeah. Spiritually I, narratively. Well, I feel like the battle of or the Night of Sorrow is their initiation really because that's when they just go head to head with the jedi their yeah. animosity becomes materialized and uh they get the actual physical markings of something on on them it's it's the vertical instead of the horizontal right yeah that, that's a good one <laughs> i i put it and and I, I when i read this line as like, this is it this is the moment when you know so in path of vengeance uh the mother is taking Marta to task for bringing this journalist in and you oh know, yeah you're, you're the guide but you're, you're not the guy come on you don't know what you're doing you got you just stay put you're, you're on the sidelines here Marta says screw you <laughs> I'm taking matters into my own hands I am going on that ship I don't care <laughs> that's the moment that's the moment where she steps into her power steps into her her authority into her thing as the mother, really, of the Nile, and um, decides you know, that these older voices, these other voices, be it the mother, be it the Jedi, be it even, uh, you know, the, this other guy who she's kind of into, but not, you know, uh, or, or, you know, kind of into, but not, not an ever any, so we know he's not great great grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, I have read that story in, in Tales of Light and Light too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it to me, I mean, that's when her story is complete in a way. Of course, she then, you know, can see, has a more benevolent approach to Yana. 
even after he, she hacks off her hand. That was very, it's a very fast turn back, but again, it, it's the core of what Marta cares about, what she wants. She wants to be the mother in, in every little, every way, right? She wants to be just like she was the mother to these littles in a way, not, not the birth mother, but she, the, the, the one in charge of taking care of them. She wants to be the guide. She wants to lead this group out into this new future. And it's the moment she pushes past all these messages that have been pouring on her that you're too small, you're too soft, you're too weak. No, I'm, I'm, Marta says, no, I'm, I'm kind to some extent, but I have these convictions and I'm going to go. And again, the way phase two gives the Nile this heart, this core that we do see at the, in the, the story of the tales of, in tales of light and life, the heart of Marta, mm-hmm. uh, in this, this stormy, cloudy exterior, it gives the Nile this deeper, richer sense of maybe they're there, or at least originally there and residually there to carve out a place of, you know, just like they were on Dalna, they carve out a place of family and community that accepts people, um, and you know, is that the key to bringing them back? Because that's not what the denial are. They are the villains. They are there to take what they want. They are there out of a deep distrust of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, I think how they are a precursor to the Separatists to some extent, to a large oh. extent. And and the way you know, one of the things about the Separatists is, yeah, that you know, the the corporate interests and trying to just. You know the 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 trade federation and the technology. You want to do what they want, make all the money they want. But then you have Mina Bonteri, who wants just freedom to form her own community without having to be beholden to republic trade and republic taxation. And uh, you know the the kind of the 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 communitarian libertarian perspective. What if there's a core there? You know, the Night Riders might be in on a little bit. Um, <laughs> this phase two, especially with Marta, really dives into that and and shows that that's a possibility. Yeah, I I love the idea that you go back to Light of the Jedi, I believe, and it's Athgar Roe talk about Markeon Roe, and we're they're sitting there having a discussion. It's like, oh yeah. We've hated the Jedi going back to your grandmother or or some or my grandmother or something like that. And that he's literally referencing Marta Rowe and we're getting that entire backstory of her with the mother of this crazy, like, you know, want for power. But like she is one of the best characters because you, you look at her as this meek little girl that's taking care of these youngsters. And she becomes and transforms into almost like this monster that's just like vehemently going against the Jedi and and, and, and forming these sh- patterns and, and, and using the, taking the nameless, the leveler for themselves. And it's like, wow, talk about a 180. Talk about really good character development over a matter of yeah. a couple of books, really getting to see her character go from point A to point B and really evolve and having that emotional weight of Yana who Yana is actually, it's like a swap because Yana is there, her her cousin is the is the warrior. She's going out on the missions and doing all this stuff and Marta's like, yeah, I'm going to just stay here with the kids 
And then by the end, it's mm -hmm. like they reverse, and Yana like wants to bring her back from the dark side, essentially, in a way. And it's like she gets her arm cut off. It's like what the heck? By by Marta with a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In, in a fit of 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 rage and fear, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, again, it, it's all of this is making me curious to know what happens in the in in the intervening period. Yeah, um, you know what you know, what you know, with Yana at least with uh, some of the other characters, um, but also then what this is my big question actually is yeah it's a one eighty to some extent how much of the 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 gift freely given flower girl <laughs> is still there in the Nile is it still there somewhere. And if, again, if that's this consistent through line to say there's an appeal to say we actually want to, you know, we, we want to uh, build a, a freer society and build freer communities. And because here's where I'm going with this ultimately is, um, you know, I've connected Luke with the brush vow. You know, I mean, you can say there's there's the separatist and there's the rebel alliance and there's different ways mm -hmm. that go on. But the rebel alliance, they're taking on the galactic government for in the in name of good. Again, that's you know the the night riders, the cloud riders are part of that. You, the separatists, you know, we we want to tell stories of how you know they're they are the villains of the of the prequel trilogy, sure, and the Clone Wars, sure. There are more complex stories to tell. Yeah, the Nile are the villains of Phase One and Three. The, this is a more complex story to tell, and uh, people like with Barash, you can't be certain you're always fighting the right side. You know, uh, Padme even asks that, right? Are, are, we, are we even on the right side here? What What about my friend Mina? <laughs> What's she up to? I don't know. I, I I actually do. I mean, I do trust them to go Phase Two, especially has given me the sense that they can actually go to that depth now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so to wrap things up, I think I think you and I are kind of a little bit on the opposite ends of this, which is funny, and that's why it's great to have you on the bounce idea. I feel like I still enjoy Phase 1 more, and it looks like you enjoy Phase 2 more. <laughs> so we're going to sure. see how Phase three goes for the yeah. both of us right now i'm yeah. saying it's very good so far what have i read what i've read but yeah i mean i love phase one so oh, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. phase one is part of my favorite so it's not like we're not that opposite i think we're, <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from for sure i mean the question of phase one is more interesting to me and the question of phase three especially is what do the jedi do uh, yeah, yeah. You know, how, how do they respond when they're weakened, and and how do they respond to their greatest fear of not being able to be the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy? If that is the real answer to the question, I think it is. And I think uh, why, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I like phase phase two more, but I still love phase one. <laughs> I think it goes to show what the characters we really drive toward. Like I'm really big with the Jedi and seeing Avar Chris, seeing Bell Zedifar, seeing Loden Great Storm, seeing all these names I could just rant off from the top of my head. These are Jedi that have made an impact 
whereas Jedi, like we said, they take more of a backseat in Phase 2. It's more of, okay, let's talk about Marta Rowe and the mother and the Herald and what is going on with them. So I still love the idea of the cults, but yep. seeing the Jedi at the height of their power in Phase 1 using these amazing force abilities that I never even could have dreamed of for a Jedi to use, seeing how powerful they are and how sure in their abilities they are. I got to still stick with that. But phase two, I will say, matters, right? There are people, I have a coworker, <laughs> which is funny because this coworker literally got hired about less than a month ago. And within a month, he's already found out he's, that I'm a YouTuber that he has watched for his <laughs> High Republic recaps. I'm like, what? So he has not started phase two. I've given him kind of like a, a breakdown of phase two. Um, he might just end up jumping into phase three instead of doing phase two. So what would you say to him for somebody that liked phase one? Would you What would you get them to, to do to get to phase two instead of just skipping to phase three? What What is good enough to read about phase two that's going to really stand the test of time and really make it something that's worth reading. I mean, what we've been saying, if you thought the Nile were cool, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Fair uh, enough. And, yeah. So, and if you thought Markian's heritage was cool, you have no idea how great his heritage is. <laughs> so, that's what I thought. Um, I mean, that, well, that's an interesting point you make, right? I mean, the, the Jedi, the space wizards, they are the thing I gravitate towards, too, for sure. You know, my favorite Disney Plus streaming thing is the most recent Space Wizard show because it delves into all that. My favorite question is, what it, you know, what does it mean to be the Jedi in the galaxy? I think it's just in terms of character development, like, separating that out, which I rarely do, right? I always go through the big ideas, as you can tell right now, all viewers can tell right now. Separating that, I think, just in terms of storytelling and characters, th this one just has the edge. Uh, that's okay. all it is. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. And here's for even more broader question. This is coming from Chris in the chat. He says, what would you say to a hardcore fan to get them into the High Republic? Like, as in someone who... Uh, like Somebody who's on of... the fence that, that doesn't really know if it's going to be for them. What, what would you say to sell them on the High Republic? Why should they read the High Republic? Why is it going to matter to them in their overall Star Wars lexicon yeah. of lore? What, 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 is, what is the big idea here for the High Republic? I mean, it depends on how prequels they are. And that's the only part of it, too. <laughs> I would... I would say, for me at least, it's you saw the Jedi at their height of their powers. Well, here's this is the sequel trilogy line. At the height of their powers, the Jedi let Darth Sidious rise from the Empire and wipe them out. How did they get from there to there? How did that happen? How did they end up being so unable to see what's in front of them? And where did they come from before? And so... Yeah, again, it's a Jedi story, is to underline that point. Um, also, if you want something so unique and different that's still so authentically Star Wars, that's so deeply interconnected with each other, right? If you're kind of one of those folks who's like, I want screen to match up with paper more, I want inter you know paper stories to con be con conversation more, if you're a canon junkie like us, I mean, this gives you everything there. 
It's everything so wonderfully interconnected. If you want to be rewarded for that. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is if you like YA, if you love YA and younger characters at the core of what Star Wars is, right? In mm-hmm. 1977, we see an 18-year-old kid who doesn't know what he has to give and he's thrust into these adventures and if that's what you love about star wars well here's a whole initiative where these characters of this age take center stage oh yeah and, you know i mean, think people need to understand about high republic is the main characters are all under the age of 25 <laughs> uh, if you're over 25 you're no longer except for maybe gela <laughs> and, and, and Wait, Elzar, and, man, I don't think he's 25, right? I think he's like in his 30s. I Chris. But I don't think he's a main character. I think, uh, uh. yeah, he has a lot to do in Fallen Star. Yeah, they have a lot to do in in those books. Uh, it, it's tricky because there there are a lot of... Sorry, I'll backtrack. I won't say he's not a main character. He's amidst the <laughs> whole cast of main characters. The older characters are still a little more supportive I see. Because they're all they're already their arc their development is already there. Mm. To extent. I wonder if that might be not the same case for Avar. I think Avar has more to do in phase three. She might become more interesting. Oh yeah. But we're given so much time yeah. and and development and, and the the storytellers have put so much effort in taking these younger characters from where they are to where they need to be. And, yeah, I mean, my guy Reed Silas, for example, is a great example. Mm. Character I gravitate toward the most in yeah. all of High Republic. Oh, I can see that. Uh, you know, wanting to be, wanting to hole up in a library just with his head in the clouds in the past, going from <laughs> that to being thrust into these adventures and saying, Oh, yeah, on Corellia okay. fighting against Legion of Nile to the, almost his deathbed. <laughs> Use, but using what he's learned. In, in the textbooks, in the history books, to say this is how this is relevant for today and and getting knighted for it at the end. It was, yeah. It was beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that, all those things, it, it's it's new and it's different, but it's so authentically Star Wars at the same time. Yeah. What I'll say is, like, if you're a fan of Jedi and you want to see Jedi do incredible things like battle meditation, essentially, with Avar Chris, uh, mm-hmm. using a, incredible stuff with moving waves with Elzar Man, just a yep. different perspective on the force as a whole getting just a new places to go new factions i said you're not dealing with you know the empire 3.0 here you're dealing with a completely new faction you're dealing with characters that have so much development and above all things you're dealing with stakes these are characters of you know 99 of them we don't know the fates of so if you want your star wars to have high stakes to have you on the edge of your seat all the time. You, none of these characters are safe, and a lot of them are dead, actually. Some of the characters we talked about <laughs> today are actually dead in, at the end of this thing, um, in the story. Like, shocking moments like that, right? Like, so, you know, Game of Thrones, Star Wars level of, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe they just did that to one of my favorite characters. So if you're really in for that kind of entertainment, but, like, really diving into the lore and the past... This is a story, and again, this is carving out a new era. I fully expect in 2026, when this is behind us, you know, it's going to end in 2025. 2026, I would imagine they're going to be doing another initiative like this because it's already successful. It's already got New York Times bestsellers on several of the books. I can't imagine that Lucasfilm won't 
start to maybe go that'd be cool if they went into the future or even more into the past at this point so there you go i think one one last thing i'll say to answer that if you if for those who have read star wars novels uh the recent canon novels and are into, into diving in claudia gray charles soul kevin scott uh, uh those, those three <laughs> yeah. names specifically do I need to say anymore? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, if you love Last Shot with Daniel Jose Older, uh, you know, the, the Santa comic with Justina Ireland, you know, but, but Claudia Gray, Charles Soule, and Kevin Scott. Mm -hmm. Just read what they write. You know? <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and, and Chris is chiming and saying, oh, yeah, I guess I'll do the audiobooks. Like, audiobooks are great because I was listening, uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, this is like years ago when I had first met her. One of the first things I did was tell her about the High Republic, and then she ended up <laughs> downloading Flight of the Jedi on audiobook, nice. and we were out on the deck, you know, grilling, listening to Markeon Rue's little narration with Mark Thompson. <laughs> so that's <laughs> great. Because, but yes, so the audiobooks are great quality, and then like we said, they have the audio dramas, which are they have one per phase, um, which are really neat because it's like a whole full cast. And each audiobook has sound effects. And if you're familiar with the Star Wars audiobooks, they're as of the same quality. Sound effects, music, the whole nine yards, amazing audio, um, amazing character voices and sound effects. So definitely, definitely give it a shot. Audible, right? I'm not sponsored by them or get paid by them, but I think you can get like a free audiobook to just try it out or something. You can get Light of the Jedi, start there, phase one, first book, and see where that takes you. Um, but yeah, so that is going to do it. I think we could have gone on for another two hours, but I had to pull the plug <laughs> at some point because I still have yep. to go to work tomorrow. But um, this was a pleasure having you on, man. I, I feel like we got some good discussion um, mm -hmm. that hopefully it's a pleasant listening experience for some of those uh, that that are familiar. Or some Hopefully that we're able to follow us along on these tangents as we talked about getting as i said spoiler cast we got deep in the weeds here this is something i've wanted to do for a while and um you know it, it was great having somebody as knowledgeable as yourself on here to actually break into the reality of our world and and kind of equate it to the high republic which is this is always something i i would love to do but i feel like i do i don't have the education you have to go on those those lengths of just knowledge it, it's it's fantastic man thanks for being on I mean, I'll say credit to the writers for putting these in this, for taking those stories in those directions. They didn't have to do that. They do. And it gives me things to think about. Um, I mean, I know Claudia Gray at least has a similar educational background as I do. Uh, I know Kevin Scott does too. So yeah, that, I mean, I'm glad to, to bring that out and bring up these connections I and mean, wearing the Mortis t-shirt, you know, just to, just to give that, that extra little, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe, and it's part of why you know, the path is so fascinating because of those real world connections. So yeah, as, as always, a pleasure to come on and, and chat High Republic, chat Paper Cannon with you. Um, you know, we definitely, the tractor beam is something I look forward to every week. And so uh, glad to extend it into, into Outer Rim here. Yeah, we're crossing over. Um, <laughs> go ahead and share... To everybody that's listening now and after the fact, where can I find you? Where your content? Talk about Ion Cannon. I don't know if we really mentioned the Monday stream as well. You do? 
I did briefly. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, I did briefly at the top. It's good to plug it again. Um, yeah. The, the main thing I do at the Ion Cannon podcast, if you know the Star Wars Underworld, uh, it's the Star Wars Underworld Network, Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel, uh, all those socials, carrying the banner. Uh, yeah. So the Ion, with the Ion Cannon podcast is, we call it your home for uh, in-depth discussion on lore, the higher public and the whole canon, focusing on paper canon, uh, shining a spotlight especially as the strike continues, you know, as, as the main flagship continues to say, okay, we want to make sure the actors have their leverage uh, in their negotiations with the production companies. So Joel and I decided, say, well, let's shine the spotlight on these paper stories and in diving in deep with these kinds of conversations that we do that aren't really as affected by the strike so much. Um, and so carry on. So you can catch that on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel at 8.30 p.m. Eastern 5.30 p.m. Pacific every Monday night. It's also on, I believe, trying to make sure it's on the Underworld YouTube or Underworld Facebook. Uh, Underworld Twitter, Iron Cannon Twitter, uh, at Iron Cannon Pod, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N-P-O-D. Uh, Iron Cannon Twitch. I believe I sometimes do Underworld Twitch as well. Just to anywhere, anywhere. Just make sure you can get it. <laughs> Those I am able to upload to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right afterwards. So I'm not behind on those ones. So yeah, um, this coming week, uh, actually interesting, talking about building off, Joel and I were talking about what might the next initiative be, oh. just as a theory, just as a hunch, oh. we're talking about whatever little morsels of the old Republic oh. exist in current canon, uh, whatever, whatever there's been mentions, including some mentions in Tales of Light and Life. But I'm, I'm reading this and I'm taking... Wait, screenshots really? I'm seeing photos. Yeah, there's a few just little little mentions um in reference to things that are uh that are happening in 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 the current story at hand. Oh. Like for example, there's just the um the Stormwall and yeah. the introduction of the Stormwall and someone compares that to the ancient Jedi Sith war. For oh. just that little little bit of a tidbit um there and so we're just going into and just looking at what is that? What do we have? Uh, kind of a survey of what do we have and what kind of story avenues that might lead to. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, for phase one breakdown, High Republic phase one with Chris, with uh, our buddy Dominic. Yep. Head over to, I believe that is on the Underworld YouTube channel. Might be on the Iron Cannon YouTube channel. Can't remember, but it's there. Um, that was, again, that was what, one, one year ago, a year ago, a year and a mm -hmm. half ago, whenever that was. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been fun. And then, as mentioned, still also on the Underworld YouTube channel, uh, this guy right here, Tractor Beam Comics Reviews. Comics come out Wednesdays. We read them on Wednesday night. Wednesday, read them Wednesday night whenever. Then Chris does his recap in the morning on this channel. <laughs> and then over on the Underworld channel, 12.15 uh, Eastern Time, bring your, bring your lunch, bring your comics. And we chat about them. We go in, take some time to go in depth. Not so Not as long as this, obviously, because <laughs> uh, I have to then get back to work. Uh, in the middle of it, it's on my lunch break, but uh, yeah, just to review these comics, and, and it's good to have this set time and actually be with someone on, on YouTube, otherwise, it wouldn't happen. That's what happened to the old tractor beam, it just I, I just couldn't do it by myself. So, having this comrade in arms, and as mentioned, also plug uh, our, our adventures in New York City, um, you know, also on the Underworld YouTube page, YouTube channel. Uh, you know, you and I made we made four videos. I made another one with Anna, also from the Underworld Network, 
And yeah, just chatting about what we saw in New York City. All my uh, photos from New York, last plug I'll make for my personal socials, uh, photos from New York on Instagram at MNEUG1138. I am on threads, I don't really use it there, but same thing. Uh, on Twitter at NEUG485. Fair warning, I will mostly be tweeting about Taylor Swift for the next few days, but <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on that and posting about all that. But uh, yeah, it's been been great, been a lot of fun uh, keeping the keeping the torch alive. I mean, yeah, you know, as the um, you know, underworld, understandably, uh, Don, Chris, and Ben, you know, they they want to in Hannah, they want to make sure that, that the actors again have their leverage. It's just just keeping keeping this going and and keeping content going keeping it flowing and, and getting myself out there has been been really great to share what i can share and offer what i can offer and i, and I hope people find it meaningful oh yeah uh we certainly do yeah we appreciate everything you guys do over there comics 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 again guys join us every thursday at 12 15 p.m eastern we want everybody available to watch us and to talk with us about the comics because it's a little nuanced, a uh, little niche of a community, and we're just trying to be, we're trying to raise it up, right? We want we want more people to talk with us about the comics, so come on over and uh, do that over there. But yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for everybody in the chat. Again, you can download this episode on any podcast app. I did not mention that off the top of the show. We're available on Spotify here, Outer Rim Transmission. We're available on Apple Music, on Amazon Music on any of the other streaming platforms. And if you're listening after the fact, we go live every... Okay, this was an exception. Usually we don't go live Fridays anymore, but I had to make an exception. We usually are going live on Sunday. Programming note, we will be back next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So don't show up on Friday because there won't be anything here. So <laughs> next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're going to see what happens. Um, there's talk that this could be over by next week. There's, there's some serious talk that this could be over by November 1st. So we're going to see what happens. And and we'll, we'll, we're going to have something to talk about regardless. But maybe we'll have some joyous thing to talk about if that news gets announced. But um, yes. So for Matthew, for I, Chris, for Ben, for uh, Milton, who couldn't be here this week. This was episode 126 of Iron Man Transmission. Go ahead, subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed our talk about the High Republic and subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network. That's going to do it for us here. Thanks for watching. May the Force be with you and transmit.